1: LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started
0: at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Our guest on this latest lockdown episode of Soundtracking requires, well, very little introduction. We all know what a talented bloke Ricky Gervais is, whether he's writing, acting, or directing, and he's put all of these skills to good use for Afterlife, now in its second season on Netflix. Now, for those of you who don't know about Afterlife, it tells the story of Tony, whose life is turned upside down after his wife dies from breast cancer and features a brilliant ensemble cast, including Ashley Jensen, Penelope Wilton, Joe Wilkinson, uh, Joe Hartley, and many, many others. The music is fabulous pitch perfect and wide ranging too from the needle drops to andy burrows score and it's with one of andy's cues from season 2 that we begin night of a thousand stars mm-hmm. Congratulations on the second series. Um, Thank you. I uh, I I I loved it. I mean, I just love these characters. They're just the truth in this in this series is just extraordinary, and I think that that flows across so many of the characters as well, and and more so I think in the second series than the first. You know, it's obviously Tony's story, but in this series, I feel that we really get insight into a lot more of the characters. And was that was that a deliberate thing for you?
0: Yeah, well, it's great. I mean, a second series. Is great because you hit the ground running. People know the characters. You don't have to explain them. You don't have to explain the situation. And particularly when it's a binge watch and it, it, it goes next to the, the last six, it, you can tell a story. So I, I treat each series now like a sort of like a novel or a double movie. You know, it, it's, it's just the right length to get in and out and, and, um, and t- tell the story. But yeah, I love, I love all the characters because they're such great comedy actors and performers as well. There's about six to 10 characters that could be the lead in a sitcom. Mm. You know, it's, it's so much fun working with these people. But you hit the nail on the head. It's sort of truth. And by that, I mean, there's a realism to it. And people sometimes think, oh, it's harsh. And I want to go, well, no, that's just real. The world is harsh, you know, or God, they're all, they're all freaks. No, no, no. No, they're normal. <laughs> yeah. ER, ER is a bunch of freaks because people <laughs> don't look that good. So when they see something like this on telly, like that, they go, whoa, that's not, no, let me, let's walk around England. M- more people look like me and David Earl and, you know, than look like yeah. George Clooney. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just real, you know, and, and things are mucked up, you know. People do say terrible things when they're good people, if they're hurt. I like the ambiguity and the surprise and everyone's surprising. You you really can't judge a book by the cover because everyone's got their own story. And what I learned from after series one went out, I've never had a reaction like it. Yeah. I don't mean the size of the reaction because that's a reflection of Netflix having, I don't know, 170 million subscribers and I'm I'm on social media. But it was different. For a start, my agent got 300 letters the first week. Now, that's rare. I get a bit of fan mail, but I don't get letters. You know, no one yeah. writes letters anymore. And it was all about their story of grief. And people come up to me on the street, they usually go, love the show, or like to do one so-and-so, i saw you. But they now they came up and said, just want to say, um, I lost my brother last year. And and they tell their, their story. So people are worried about putting out something like this, because I think, you know, can people at home take it? It's very dark. I mean, it starts with, A woman dying of cancer, knowing she's dying, leaving a funny list, you know, and this man is watching it. It's heartbreaking, but people are braver than we think. I don't know why we're worried about what people at home can take in fiction, Mm -hmm. because the real world's more scary. And we second-guess people and go, oh, they can't take all that swearing. Have you walked around (laughs) a building site or a playground and heard... My mum's kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just think that I, it's this myth that people at home turn things off and they go, no, that was, um, the language was a bit harsh or yeah. bit depressing. Or people go towards it. They go towards it because we create our own heroes and villains as role play for the soul. So people go through this gamut of emotions and no one really gets hurt. And I think that's, that's sort of fiction it's best, really, it takes mm. you through those emotions for real
2: and you can relate to so much of it as well, you know whether you've you've lost someone or you've you've been there to support someone or trying to talk someone through a huge loss in that grief process as well and but then also i mean there's a particular moment in um episode five, which is the um the kind of review show that's going on at the town hall, which is an extraordinary an extraordinary thing to watch for so many reasons. I've been in the crowd of many of those. That's, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the but truth of But that's what's it. sweet about life. Like, at the moment, people didn't know they'd miss the mundane. They miss the mundane. Just going into shops when you have no you have no intention of buying anything. But you know <laughs> what I mean, it's like- Because you can't. Because you, know, you can't. <laughs> and, and, this, this series is about that, that, how the mundane, how chores save your life. You know, he had to feed the dog, so he didn't kill himself. He has to go to work to get enough money to get drunk or whatever. And all those little things, they save his life. They're distractions and they're worth it. There's a line in series one where my brother-in-law says, what, well, you've just come to realize that other people have got problems too. And that shows up that Tony's a bit selfish as well, and he's a bit spoiled. And everyone thinks what they're going through is worse. Everyone thinks, no, my thing's the worst. And there's that thing that if everyone got together and put their troubles in a hat, they'd end up, and experience the other troubles, they'd end up wanting to take their own troubles home with them. And that's true. And uh, Matt says to him, so next time you try and get a waitress fired because your suit's cold, Remember, she might have just found out her mum's got cancer. And I think that really sums up Tony's journey, that we're all a bit spoiled sometimes. We all go through grief and we all feel sad, but other people are grieving too. And, and that, and in a weird way, helping people makes you feel better. You know, I, I think there's a, it's a wonderful life. It starts with yeah. an angel jumping in, so the man who's going to commit suicide has to save his life. I think that's so beautiful and so real that, um, you know, the angel has to say, no, 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 I saved your life. And it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just it's just lovely.
2: Well, that's what it feels like for Tony in this series is that he's, he's almost like that angel in a way for everybody else now. It's almost like, yeah, he's still grieving. He's still really struggling to kind of yeah. cope with, with the loss of his wife and then everything else that's thrown at him in this series. But then but you really see this wonderful kind of really gentle switch in him where he's starting to kind of help other people and it's beautiful.
0: Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a very slow healing process. I mean, we, he's going through the seven stages of grief. We hit the ground running with series one where he's going through shock, denial, anger. And now he's in the negotiating. He's going, okay, world. It asks the big question. If you lose everything, is life still worth living? Now, at the beginning, he thinks, it isn't. It isn't. I've lost everything. I don't want to do anything without her. Nothing's fun without her. And there's a line in this when he says, people miss the point. They think think if I just did all those things I like doing with Lisa, I could still enjoy life. But they miss the point. It's, I don't miss doing things with Lisa. I miss doing nothing with Lisa. Just her being there was enough. And it it is in an existential crisis, but he's trying everything. In the first series, he tried being awful. He tried drugs. He tried everything. Now he's trying kindness. It's, you know, it's still a a desperate attempt. And it doesn't always work out. Like in the first episode, he tries to be more zen. And it doesn't work because people get in the way. (laughs) You've got to have obstacles for drama. Otherwise, yeah. if, it, if it just started with, I tried to end, it worked. <laughs> good night, everyone. That wouldn't be a very good series. <laughs> so, you know, he's still got to, for the drama of the piece, he's still got to try things and fail at them. It's step by step. We're rooting for him. Even though oh, he's absolutely. saying things, we know it's because he's wounded. We, he's a bear in a trap. You can't blame him for lashing out. He's been hurt, you know? Yeah. Do you have music on when you're writing? I do very often, and sometimes the music is an influence to me. Like sometimes a tune, like particularly ambient stuff. Like you know, we listen to you know Mogwai and Hammer. Somewhere, There's nothing like music. It's unexplainable. I, I don't think science will ever explain why certain chords make you feel. There's chords in some classical music, like Vaughan Williams. There's a piece to and, and, and Lazarus, and it makes me feel sick. It's so beautiful. explain it there's a physicality to it there's a physiology and then an idea just a a beautiful it might be a beautiful lyric or it might be a mood or it might be a thing that I felt when the first time I heard it that probably won't be the same for everyone else but it it gets you to a place so I do and and sometimes you know a, a song it'll start with a song and I think oh that reminds me of a scene or I can do a montage to it and then other times I'll do the piece and I think, what's the perfect piece of music for this? And sometimes it's, it's counterintuitive. You know, sometimes it's not, it's not sad violins. It's, it's <laughs> something a bit happy. For example, what I discovered in, in series one and series two, in the filming and in the edit, that the happier the flashbacks were, the sadder it is now. So the more joy that their relationship contained and the happier I am with Lisa and the happier Lisa is Mm. the sadder it is when it comes back to reality and he's just watching this and that's the afterlife for him you know his memory that's you know her her afterlife and I think that's true of now um I I don't believe in in an afterlife literally I don't believe in a heaven or anything but you know I know people do live on Mm. in us certainly there's no there's no doubt about that Uh, Mm. and I think nowadays we, we have got everything on on video. We've got everything on computer now. You know, growing up, my sister's the keeper of the of the photo albums. And my whole life, up until, you know, I left home, there's probably about 25 pictures. There's that many of me in the bath on my phone today. <laughs> you know <what> I mean?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: You
0: love a bath selfie. I know, there's so much to do, isn't it? Something to do. With lockdown.
2: But there's a re I think the way that you use music in the show is really unique and clever. There's almost like three parts to it. Because the 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 thing that you take for granted in the show is when you're watching it, is that there's this whole other thing that you filmed. You know, the videos, the home videos that he's watching is something you've had to write and record and film. You kind of forget that it's a whole other thing that you've had to do that we're just watching them with you sort of thing, which is incredible. And there's quite a bit of music pops up in that because a lot of that are family events, you know, the wedding and and things like that as well. And that's really the only time that he listens to music or has music in his life within the show. But then you have this wonderful use of the score that Andy's done, but then also the existing music as well. And they're both used so... Seamlessly as well.
0: Well, sometimes um, I'll get Andy to emulate the beginning or end of a classic trap. So you don't see it coming. Then you realise, oh, that, was the, that sounded a bit like the beginning. So we ease them into a, a trap. Mm. Sometimes it goes from source to incidental and vice versa. So it really is, sometimes you don't notice it, you just feel it. And then sometimes it bangs in and you, and you think about it. I I like using that juxtaposition. Like both times I've started uh, the series with what should be a really happy, unironic number. You know, I started with um, uh, Lovely Day by Bill Withers, the first one.
1: When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes, and something without warmth. on my mind, then I look at you and the world's alright with me. Just one look at you, and I know.
0: second one starts with top of the world by Dark the carpenters <laughs> yeah. and and you think on the face of it Genius. yeah he should be on the top of the world but it's life's not like that and so i, I do love using um i love using classic tracks in a slightly different way I do love score as well. I really like, I think more and more even pop music has moved towards score because it's it's it can be more meaningful. Sometimes words don't do enough,
3: mm-hmm. but
0: uh, music can sort of take you there. Like Vaughan Williams, I think people have really looked back. He sort of almost invented the idea of this score because it's it is classical music, but it, it's so accessible and it's so evocative. There's nothing cool or clever about it, it's just emotion. Again, I, I try and do that with characters. There's no need to show off with your playlist. Honest is much better. There's songs in there that just aren't cool. But in context, people go, you know, actually, Lionel Richie was all right. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, it, it's not the all times. about my wife. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: Thanks for the time that you've given The memories are all in my mind And now that we've come To the end of our rainbow There's something I must say out loud Lady
0: the Carpenters, you know what? Yeah, right. It, it, it always made me laugh when you see a a, a new pop star choose their favourite songs. And it's all stuff like, yeah, I love Blind Lemon Pie, the unrecorded years. And I would go, no, you don't. You like, oh, come on, you liked a bit of Roxette and Sting in your time.
2: Oh, don't man, Roxette. I
0: know. I know.
2: Come on. <laughs> that Pretty Woman soundtrack was amazing.
0: Yeah, I... I don't like snob, snobbery in, in anything really, despite what people might think of me. Um, um, a, a, a tune is a tune.
2: I do that thing where people ask what's the first record you ever bought, and mine was a was like properly like, and I hope that it almost gave me the the kind of what I wanted my my kind of music taste to be in the future. So it was Prince when Doves Cry, but it was also Tony Basil's Mickey, and so that oh, yeah. for me is like
0: 1984? okay. Was that 1984? Yeah. So- yeah. Yeah, some, uh, no, yeah. I remember and when I heard like... that, I thought it was an extraordinary track, uh, When Doug's Crying. Twenty-three at the time so that wouldn't count as my first. I
3: was
2: nine. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. My first, my first album Cricket Christian Paul. It was Stranded by Roxy Music and that was the first time I'd saved up my own money to buy an album and I went into Reading. I think it was Quicksilver or something in the butt centre and I, t- I, I, it's like I bought a work of art. I just looked yeah. at this thing and I learned the lyrics and, yeah. But I, again, I was probably, I don't know, 11. Uh, and I, I had older <laughs> brothers and sisters, so it doesn't count with me because I was listening to their old records they left behind. And yeah. I, so I was, when I was like six or seven, I was <laughs> listening to Bob Dylan and Neil <laughs> Young just because that was the only records that were lying around. you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Very such good stand. But the, the track list for the, the series, it's extraordinary. You know, you, you kind of, you obviously got a history with music and, and being a massive fan of music. And it is a fantastic collection of songs that you've picked to feature. You're putting the score at on one side for a second. We'll get into that a bit more in a minute. But yeah, but the collection of songs that you have in this series are brilliant. You know, everyone from like Jackson Brown mentioned um, Carpenter as well, Suffington Stevens, Arden and Wine, and you know, so much in there. What's the decision-making process on those specific tracks, and why you're Bowie in there as well? And but what, well, what at what point do you decide that You do you write are they, do you write music into the script to put specific track? Yeah,
0: yeah, Sometimes some you know uh, like <laughs> you know, Top of the World was written in, um, and so I could cut the montage to it, so I could get some sort of shots that. But then some then there's people that come in late in the day, like Can You Hear Me by bowing? That was an afterthought when I you know, when I when I had almost finished the cut.
1: Once we were lovers completely understand Both of the others, I was your I was your man. Música e take it Why don't you take it Take it in a right
0: Right to your heart Ooh. The same as um, if These Old Walls uh, by Jimmy Webb
1: If these old walls If these old walls Could speak Things that they remember well, parties and people raising hell. A couple in love living week to week, rooms full of laughter. If these old walls could speak, if hallowed how. Never till to tell, sun going down and in a bell, children playing at hide and seek, from floor to rafter, if he's older, all these halls could speak. These walls would say If they were not so mean
0: You know you, you try things in the edit when it's just a little clip of something and then when you find something that works you know because you don't want it to be too on the nose you don't want a lyric to be odd out of context yeah. why is he singing about this or that so it, it sort of depends but yeah I start with a with a wish list and to be honest there's there's practical considerations some people just say no they don't they don't do it or they don't say no they say it's half a million, and you go, oh, that's a no, then. That's a no right? <laughs> but that's rarer with this, because I've never had a budget like this. Sitcoms don't get this sort of budget, but before I did this series, I couldn't have afforded half of these songs. It would have been, well, no, it's not worth it. That's half the budget for the the episode. <laughs> but uh, I sort of wrote that into the budget when I, when I got it commissioned, and I said, I want this to be... Special. I want it to be filming. I want to treat this, and usually the score, even for movies, particularly low budget movies or British movies, the 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 money for the score is what's left over.
2: Yeah, it's an an afterthought. You
0: negotiate with the guitarist of a band, you know, and you go, "Can you do it for forty quid?" And they go, "Yeah, okay." You know, (laughs) Uh, but I didn't have to do that. I can, I can, I I I was paying people their top whack and getting the sums I wanted. So. It is a luxury that this series, I must admit. And um just the sheer amount of music. there's probably just twenty-five tracks. Now that's unheard of. You usually go, What no, which one do you really want? Okay, I'll have that one. Okay, you can have that. We can afford thirty seconds of that. (laughs) So I was in a great position. So I just went crazy and just chose (laughs) you know, the, the most the most perfect song for the for the scene
2: what I think's really funny as well as brilliant is um have you seen Joker oh, I loved it so me too so obviously they use Send in the Clowns and you've yeah. used it as well in here
4: isn't it rich are we a pair me here at last on the ground you Isn't it bliss Don't you approve One who keeps tearing around One who can't move Where are the clouds? There ought to be clowns Just when I'd start.
2: I think the way that you've used it is genius in this, in in that episode. I mean, that episode five in particular is just, there's so much going on, it's brilliant. But the way that you've used that and the way that it kind of crosses a whole spread of emotions and stuff that's going on is just kind of like, oh my God, my head feels like the mind of a clown. It's just mental. Yeah,
0: well, it is, you know, it's sort of, it lends itself to that, that life is is a series of ups and downs you can be having the best time in the world and then you get a text and there's no there's no right time for bad news i don't think anyone would go uh yeah when we found out the terrible news uh it was a good time for it it was a yeah. good time for it We're <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> yeah um and so yeah a, a a text an email bad news it it ruins your day but uh I think the overriding theme about this, both in the music the score, is that life goes on you can you can you can get through this you can get through this and uh you, you've got to embrace the rough and the smooth because bad things happen and uh that's no reason not to live your life to the fullest i th- I think that's one of the themes of this with everyone really not just tony but All the characters. We don't want anyone to be in pain, but it's it's part of life. Yeah, you can you can only avoid it so much, and then you're not you're not living. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. How much do you stick to script when you're when you're filming? Is there much kind of improv that goes on?
0: Well, we do stick to script because you you find that you know if you if you've spent enough time on the screenplay, you've thought you've looked at things from all angles. And you can ad-lib crazily, but then in the cold light of day in the edit, the things that work best are usually the screenplay and the plotted things, because they drive a reason to be watching. Plot holds things together. But what's nice is to have those silly digressions and ad-libs, particularly around the more overtly comic characters, like, you know, Brian Gittins. Now, I, I, I write his <laughs> lines, but then I go, and we and, and, have uh, <laughs> got that in the can, now do something. And and it's for my amusement. You know, you've got, you, half the things you can't use because, because we ruin the takes, we're laughing, but it goes on screen. If you're having fun, if every minute of your day filming is fun and you're ruining takes from laughter, honestly, that goes on the screen. There's something... There's, uh, there's an alchemy to it and you see it. And I, and I look back and even the sad moments, I, I remember how we got there and how much fun it was doing it. And there's something magical about it. I want every minute of every day to be fun for everyone, the crew, the, the cast. And, and you can do that if you put the hard work in beforehand. Yeah. You know, I've lived with this script for a year before it gets to that, so I know what I want. I know what it's going to look like. So we can muck around and have fun. And then, you know, one in 10 ad-libs are, wow, I could never have come up with that. I could never have come up with that. You know, there's a couple that the psychiatrist comes up with. Oh, my um, God. But, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. What a performance. What oh, a my Paul Keys
2: extraordinary.
0: He hammers it home, doesn't it? he? Oh every, every shot is a bullseye. <laughs> The confidence in that character. Listen, it's the same for everyone. Even the ones that are like more gentle, that probably don't don't stand out or make the bloopers real. They're the glue, you know. There's before every single performance in that is you know perfect, especially Penelope
2: Wilton. Yeah, the oh. dog. I'm going to get out of the dog in a minute, but Penelope, and there's there's ways that she reacts to things that that Tony says or you see on yeah. that bench that. You feel like it's Penelope genuinely, like, pissing herself at something that you yeah. said. It feels so natural and so... Well, that's uh, the that's
0: really yeah. good thing. One, about a, a, an actor who can do something 15 times and still make it look like it was the first time they said it. But also, <laughs> that's when some ad libs do come in. Like, when I'm riffing on the... Without spoiler but when I'm riffing that she says uh, in that fable, no, no, you're the... <laughs> yeah. You're the frog, right? And then I, then I ripped. those so that they were. They, she hadn't heard that, and so she really laughed. But I thought we'll have that. that that's yeah. great because that makes it look also real. But I can't explain what a joy it is for a writer to write for Penelope Wilton. Honestly, it's like I'm cheating. I write <laughs> lines for her, and I go right, yeah. and then she go oh, right, yeah. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I meant it to be that brilliant. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, she could read a phone book. And also, because that character is meant to be sort of a guardian angel, I wanted him to find, uh, you know, the, it was the kindness of strangers. And I wanted it to be luck. Because life is, there's a lot of luck. You bump yeah. into someone and they make me feel better, you know. Yeah. Um, the, Everything's got a weight to it. And I, and. I love, I love a character that is just integrity. No one's watching that thinking, oh, is there anything in this for her? Is this going to go wrong? Does she mean that? It's just, just beautiful. Just a lovely, a lovely, beautiful person that Tony bumped into. uh, And she does it brilliantly.
2: The dog. I mean, there's so many bits, but when he kind of puts his paw on your shoulder in episode six, you're either on the couch or you're in your bed sort of thing. And he just, it's I mean how they it's unbelievable uh, um, and it CGI or
0: <laughs> no they're, they're just, there's a bit there's something she just does just being a dog and there's some things that you fake you know to make her look at you or something you know there's a sausage on a stick behind my head or something but I just wanted her to be a dog so when I'm walking with her and I'm playing with her that's not acting I'm walking and playing with a dog and it just looks beautiful there's one bit that we did contrive you know, dogs can tell when you're sad and they come and comfort you. That's real. That's not lassie stuff. That's real. <laughs> dogs, dogs know when you're sad if they know you. It's in, it, they're incredible creatures. Um, but there's one bit, um, again, at the end of five, when I come home, and she just brings me a toy. And I go, for me, and I go, you're such a good girl. And I did it, and I, near, I was nearly welling up. Because oh God. it's it's like he's got someone to come home to, a dog. So this dog literally and metaphorically saves Tony's life over and over again. And it's such a lovely relationship, you know, at the end of, in six, when he says, just, you know, just you and me, girl. Uh, it's just it's someone to talk to.
2: Yeah. She's going up there with like those kind of, famous tv dogs of like you know littlest hobo and lassie and all that sort of thing you've you've created another iconic kind of dog character in the world of telly
0: yeah i think people get it though i think i think people don't even think of the practicality of how you get a dog to do these things because it just seems so real
2: you don't even think about as a viewer like it's the dog is so believable part of his life part of his story part of that yeah. you know the, the whole fabric of the thing that it, you don't even think about you know it was only because of yeah. that I wanted to ask you about that I go oh my god you kind of because well, I was deliberately I mean, looking for it's
0: in incredible real life she's an absolute nightmare um <laughs> she's, she's she's always on a diet she's getting into scientology it, it's she's got pr so
2: many demands <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, she's she's great. I pe- people say, is that your own dog in real life? And I just go, oh, I wish. Um, no, mm-hmm. she's, uh, she's lovely. It was so funny that when, uh, at the end of the shoot, when I was sort of saying goodbye to the cast and crew, when I had to say goodbye to Auntie, that was when I nearly welled up, because I was thinking, she doesn't know why she's not going to see me Monday.
3: Oh, you know what I mean?
0: I was thinking, yeah. oh, I know. oh, no. <laughs> like she cares
2: anyway. she's going to be an EastEnders or something
3: yeah yeah. and
2: <laughs> um, Andy Burroughs, can we talk about one of my favourite people in the world yes um, I mean I, he's, he's such a, a talented individual and finds such kind of um,
0: and the nicest mel- man in the world just the nicest yeah. bloke in the world it's like um, it, it, you'll be with him and uh It'd be nice to you, like really nice to you, just complimentary, lovely, love your time, and then they get a text apologising for something like, "Oh, was yeah. I ended up, like, Andy? What, was I t- too nice? You're I'm sorry nice for being too nice." <laughs> 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 yeah, I teased um, you about that. I teased you. Like, yeah. No, he's um. Yeah, but I can't believe how I can't believe how nice he is and how talented he is, and it's it's one stop shopping because. It's not like, if you, usually you talk to someone who's doing score and you go a bit like this, and he goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get my boys. He goes, "He goes right, well, piano, he plays piano. Guitar, yeah, bass, yeah, I'll play the bass. You know, it's like, ridiculous. It's like yeah. having Mike Oldfield on call, you know? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: so amazing.
0: No, it's great. day you go in the studio to sort of put their ideas, I mean, really, it's like, a, it's like I've won a competition as a mm. failed pop star myself. Um, it's so much fun to create with Andy. It's, it's great. And then when you see it all put together with, with you know, the vision, and we, we, we uh, did a lot more bespoke stuff to the actual scenes this time. And it's, it's remarkable the difference it makes. There's, there's a bit where Penelope puts her hand on my face
4: oh, yeah. and
0: we just did a little trim on the piano and you feel it, it's like, oh my God, it's like a gut punch. But it's things like that that are such a joy to do that probably no one in the world notices, but it, it, it's there, it's there if you do.
2: But it's so wonderful to know that you have such commitment to the characters in the show and the story to, 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 to be that sort of, you know, kind of minute about it and specific about a tiny thing like that and how, how important it is to it?
0: Honestly, you, you, don't, you don't know the half of it. I changed, we changed the font slightly on this one, of the Afterlife, and I, I went back and Netflix changed the font on the first series to match it. Like anyone would notice. It's like, <laughs> but it was in my head, so I thought, no, it's it's gotta be insane. So I don't know if that's OCD or perfectionism <laughs> or what, but yeah, it's it's forever. So it is worth, and you get madder and madder on the days we go. This is the final this or final edit or final double or final grade. I'm seeing things that don't exist. uh <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. You want to invent, if you want to invent a new colour, it's between, (laughs) it's like... No, I want
2: a new uh, note. There is a note out there that's new that I need to have in this scene.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's invented a new turquoise. Um, So yeah, it's nice though. It's lovely to start from scratch and know that you can do... The the only restriction is your imagination. That's the only restriction when you're creating fiction you know uh the bigger you think you know uh, even if you fall short you're, you're you're higher than you would have been if you hadn't have aimed that high so it's worth it it's, it's, it's funny i love that i love the nerdiness i love you know i really do i appreciate it so much that someone did something you know on the crew or the you know that or the cast that, as I say, no one in the world will notice, but they did. They cared, and that, and that's lovely.
2: Were there any? Um, I'll let you go in a second. Just a couple more questions. Was, was there any? Were there any films and scores in particular that were reference points at all?
0: Not films. I think that's quite dangerous to be. If if, if you're influenced by other things that you're doing, there's a danger of it being a little bit, I don't know, homogenised. So. Yeah. I I, I try and look. I try and look outside other things, but you're always influenced. I'm definitely always influenced. I'm influenced by a bunch of movies and things crop up, you know. um, But it's usually real life or or what you feel inside. You try and get. You're trying to download emotions. You know, if a song makes me cry, there's it probably there's probably something about it, or I'm mad. Either way, so. I just try and download what I'm thinking. And I think a director's job is to make people care about someone you care about. And that can yeah. be anything. If you do it passionately, that you, that, that you can make them care about anything, because you do. And, and I think that's what's infectious about it. But, you know, the more someone cares about someone, the more I'm interested in them and that thing.
2: Yeah. Will there be any more?
0: Well... I think, yes. I've already started dabbling in case. i I, awesome. I, I don't want to do an, an unwanted encore, and I don't usually do a third series. But if this goes down as well as the first, and if Netflix tell me it's gone down a storm and they want another one, I, I definitely will this time. Because I think there's so many characters. I mean, there's too many characters, almost. So I, I'm spoiled. Um, yeah. For choice really but I've also created a world I really like I like the world I've created and the and this fictional town is a character as well yeah. it should be the perfect life but if it's sunny outside but it's dark in your head it's dark we live in our heads and so I want to I want to see this through I want to see Tony through this really so yes is that the amazing answer yeah
2: that's brilliant that's if, such
0: if this brilliant. goes down the storm i'm not going to do it unless I, people you know but yeah
2: listen i think it's going to be i think in the situation that we all find ourselves in at the minute as well i think that that this is something that i think will be you know you said you got all these letters from people kind of telling you their stories now more than ever i think people need a connection in some way shape or form and i think that this with all yeah. those characters that you talk about and how you've expanded them and how you've given them all a voice in this series. There's going to be so many more people are going to connect to all those different situations in particular. I, so. I
0: think I think people have, have started to, um, you know, realise that, uh, that what the important things in life are. You know, just the fact that, you know, you call your family more than you did. Your family call you. And, and, and that's, that's, that's heartwarming. I think that's mm. amazing. But yeah, as I say, yeah, uh, you know, life will get back to normal, and um, and I never want to hear anyone ever whinge about the NHS again. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, never. Don't what I mean, just incredible, incredible. So yeah, and um, I, I I've obviously I've always been a fan of um of things like that. I uh, just because of my my upbringing, you know, I I, I grew up. I, I was you know my my dad was a a labourer all his life my mum was a homemaker but she could do everything you know except give me money but all the best things <laughs> were free nature friends and the welfare state it's amazing it's just amazing anyway let's not get political Let's this, this is <laughs>
2: <laughs> why not well, I know. I mean, I, my dad went, My, you know, my dad was really ill a year ago and he has adrenal gland ruptured basically. So now he, but he was, he was, you know, rushed into hospital, thought it was appendicitis. And within two days, an NHS doctor had diagnosed exactly what it is. And, you know, and he still speaks to this doctor, you know, so regularly just to check up on things. He doesn't have an immune system anymore because of this, but just over those, those kind of that month of that time, you know, I'd been so appreciative of them and up to that point anyway for various reasons through various things you know but just to something that was so close to me and so close to home and seeing how much care went into to my dad particularly was just extraordinary and at the time I just couldn't I was like you know what can I do what can I how can I help you you know because you know what's the way that I can thank you yeah and that's the hard thing is that how can we now what's what's our way now of helping this organization and these people to make sure that it's it's supported and it's it's given what it needs and it's
0: yeah, yeah. i mean it's like a lot of people you know they, they people give to charities that that have uh that have touched them in some way and uh like my mum my mum died of cancer and she had a Macmillan nurse and and now i i just support them so much because they're incredible and uh you know, my family, all the, the, most of the women in my family were carers, uh, old people, so I, I wrote Derek based on some of the stories. And just to hear the, you know, how selfless it is and how so often poorly paid they are, but they, there's a responsibility, they go in on mm. Christmas day because they've got to, because no one else will. And then, uh, yeah, you hear people whinging about nothing. Uh, we're all the same, we're all spoiled, but, it, you know, if it takes something like this to, for us to check our privilege, then, you know, so be it. But uh, they've been amazing.
2: Yeah. Um, Ricky, thanks for your time, mate. It's so lovely to chat to you. And congratulations on this series. And I'm so glad there's going to be more as well, because like you, you say, you know, you want to see Tony through, uh, as we all do, really, because we've, we've all kind of connected to a story in some way, shape or form. So, yeah, well done.
4: Nice one, mate. Thank,
0: thank you. you. Absolute pleasure.
2: From the score to the second season of Afterlife, that's Playground Stereo by the wonderfully talented Andy Burrows. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Ricky Gervais. My huge thanks to Ricky for taking the time to talk to us. Both seasons of Afterlife are available to watch now on Netflix and it really does make for extraordinary viewing. Thanks also to Andy for providing us with this as yet unreleased music from the series. Head to edithbowman.com to find out who else we've spoken to about screen music on the podcast. My website is also the place to subscribe, though, your preferred provider obviously works just as well but please do leave us a rating if you get a moment follow us on facebook instagram and twitter we are at soundtracking uk and please do check out our youtube channel when you get a moment where i'm doing a a weekly show featuring a whole range of familiar faces from the world of tv film and music next up jeff barrow and Reg Weeks from Invader Records join me to discuss their extraordinary catalogue of film scores. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. In the meantime, stay
3: safe.